Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Hello, hi, and welcome. I am your host, Emigrant Awardner, and in my nearly 20-year career as a beauty and health writer, I have interviewed a lot of people, supermodels, entrepreneurs, authors, celebrities, and doctors, and many of these conversations had a real impact on me, and I'd come away feeling inspired, excited, informed, and really empowered, and at the back of my mind, I'd always think, I wish I could just publish the tape so people could really feel that conversation. Well, on this podcast, you get to feel the conversation. I talk with experts, guests, and a few friends who I hope will inspire, inform, and empower you, and maybe also challenge you, whether you're looking for self-help, self-improvement, beauty advice, health insights, business know-how, or just some good old-fashioned life advice and a bit of a laugh. It's all here. Welcome to the show. Welcome, welcome. So I have a question for you. Have you ever struggled with speaking in public? Does the idea of giving a presentation at work or giving a speech at a social event fill you with dread? Well, my guest in this week's episode, voice coach and author Caroline Goida, can help you with that. She can, as I discovered, help with a lot more than that too. So I've been looking for a guest to come on the show to talk about that element of sparkle or magic that can read as total confidence to anyone observing when you're speaking in public, giving a speech, a presentation, whatever it might be. And when I came across Caroline, I knew she was the perfect fit. She is a trained actress and has a global reputation as a speaker and voice coach who has worked with teachers, actors, broadcasters and within the corporate sector. She's worked for many years at Royal Central College of Speech and Drama as a voice coach and on further investigation, it became clear that what she didn't know about the voice, how to speak with authority and clarity and how to channel that confidence so people hear what you say, well, maybe it wasn't worth knowing. But here's what I didn't expect. I didn't expect my research and my conversation with Caroline to be about so much more than the sound that comes out of one's mouth. She's written a book called Find Your Voice, The Secret to Talking with Confidence in Any Situation. And as it turns out, the secret isn't about wearing killer shoes, getting a blow dry, wearing your lucky pants or imagining the people watching you are naked. It's all about you. And if I'm really honest, I think I was expecting hacks, those shortcuts and tricks that you could implement like a caffeine boost that would give you that extra oomph for a very short period while you had to do the speaking so you can just get through the moment and then, I don't know, go to sleep afterwards, you know, end up in a heap or just, you know, have a little weep. We've all been there. But finding the voice to speak in public, whatever that setting may be, can actually be a journey of self-discovery. 
And yes, you may be listening and thinking, okay, but Emma, how do I stop saying um and ah so much? Or how can I stop myself from speaking really quickly? Or what do I do with my arms? Or even how do I stay calm when I'm speaking? It's all in this conversation with Caroline. And trust me, because there's no way you're not going to notice it. Her voice is incredible. It's utterly amazing. Quite hypnotic, I have to admit. Anyway, well, years of training. This is what if this is basically she is showing you where you can get to with her own voice. Obviously, the links to Caroline, her book and everything we discuss will be in the show notes. But here she is making her debut. It's voice coach and author Caroline Goida on The Emma Gunn Show. Caroline Goida, welcome to the show. Hello, it's great to be here. (laughs) You are a voice coach and author. And it's fair to say that in researching this episode, it has gone from me assuming it would be one thing to realizing it's something completely different. I love that. That's kind of why I wrote the book, to be honest. I, I, I wanted people to understand that. That is why I wrote it. Because on the surface, the book, Find Your Voice, and congratulations, we are recording on publication day. Woo! <laughs> um, it says on the front, the secret to talking with confidence in any situation. And so I thought, oh, brilliant. It's going to be... Uh, how to talk in a business meeting, how to present at TEDx, how to do this. But actually, it it starts from a completely different point A than I was expecting, which is understand your instrument. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> because we don't. Because mm. nobody... When I came into this, I didn't know how my voice worked. I started at acting school... I didn't really understand how my voice worked. And it's crazy that we don't, I Mm. think. So I'm glad it was a surprise. (laughs) A delightful surprise, I have to say. So we I have so many things and listeners, I've already said to Caroline, there are a thousand different places I could start because in doing this research, I have so many questions. But can we just talk about how you actually came to this and what your background is? Because actually, that's quite exciting, too. So sure. I mean, my my thing is that I'm really, you know, the math teacher at school who had been really bad at maths. Mm -hmm. I was the girl at drama school who people said, you haven't got enough presence. Your voice isn't resonant enough. You're not in your body. You're uncentered. And I honestly took that as a kind of final comment. There's nothing I can do about. And of course, it's not. You know, when someone says he or she has no presence you can unlock that because we have it as kids. So I'm the person who's had to really unlearn a load of bad habits to find my voice again. And and that's why I'm really quite passionate about teaching it to other people because you can change. The voice is an instrument. You can do anything with it, really. I think that's, again, that's something that I hadn't even thought about. And we're going to jump all over the place now, I can tell it. But um, you've done a TEDx talk. It was a TEDx Brixton. And obviously, listeners, I'll put the link in the show notes. But you talk about if you take an excited breath in and then speak, your voice sounds a certain way. If you take a sort of grave breath in, your voice has a completely different resonance. And I'd never... It was a bit of a, what? I didn't know I could do it like that. It's so simple, isn't it? When we get that the voice is exhaled air... Mm-hmm. and that it's powered by the diaphragm. The diaphragm responds to different emotions with a different muscular contraction. So you feel something, it comes out on your voice. And we know this with our friends, right? Mm. We know that <laughs> when we chat to our friends, we have loads of tonality. 
So then when you get up in front of an audience, if you can access that, that's when people say they're a really natural speaker. It's mm. not. They've just learned how to do it. Mm. And it is practice, which, again, we have to come on to. But just going back to you, and you did a master's, is that right? Yeah, so after I trained as an actor, I went, I'm not a good actor, for all the reasons we've discussed. <laughs> and I thought, but I love voice. Voice is fun. And they had a great master's up at Central School of Speech and Drama, which I loved. It was just a year of learning really cool stuff. About the voice. About the voice, yeah. And also learning how to teach voice as well. And then after that, you kind of go off and teach in drama schools, which mm. I did for a bit. So just on that alone, I feel as though you have a whole new layer of how to read people. It's funny, someone said once to me, you x-ray people. Yeah. <laughs> and I never thought about that. But I think most voice teachers probably do. Mm. A bit like a Pilates teacher will look at, you know, how someone's holding themselves, what muscles are tense, what muscles are released. You can read that in a voice as mm. well. You can hear a body in a voice. Because I think in this day and age, like there's the whole wellness cult and um, the word energy is used so often. And like if I have a meeting with someone... Or, and I'm talking to my friends afterwards, I might say, oh, I really like that person. She's got really good energy. Or, oh, not such a big fan. They're quite, didn't really like that energy. But I can imagine that you can listen to someone speak and go, bullshit. Or, oh, that's genuine. You hear, well, you hear in the breath what is going on for them. And so you have a different kind of layer of ability to read someone. But I think all people do. It's, it's like someone said to me about learning movement. When you've identified a muscle, you'll see it when someone else is using it. And mm. when you've learned how to use your own voice, you can pick up what other people are doing because you understand how it works. And mm. so that's kind of why I think people should learn this. Mm. No, it, it, genuinely, it's over my eyes. Literally, I'm like, I might have to do that master's. Oh, it's fabulous. Everybody should do that master's. It's like, Well, yeah. because I have a podcast, so what do I use for my living, my voice. And a really good friend of mine who's been on the show many times before, well, once before, but I see him all the time, Robin James, man for himself. He was saying to me before Christmas, you should invest in your business. And so I initially I was thinking tech, an engineer. And then I thought, actually, maybe I should invest in my voice in some way. I think this is a massive point because that the digital age and podcasting and all the kind of audio stuff that we have now means that voices are so important mm. it's your it's your tool isn't mm. it so yeah do it yes okay well <laughs> i'll get the details from you afterwards but um okay so let's talk about <laughs> honestly it feels as though there are so many angles in but i am going to go in because it feels like it's a spiritual conversation as much as it's a physical one because, as I was saying to you before we started recording, when I've had uh, people like Andy, Podic Andy Podicum on the show, who obviously is a Buddhist monk and uh, meditation expert, and anyone who is talking about stillness, it feels as though the conversation that I've heard you having and when I read the book, I feel as though the voice is another very grounding, physical, but also emotional and mental thing that we can connect with and actually use to centre ourselves, find our confidence, maybe get a sense of our identity. So it feels like it's not just as simple as how to nail that presentation at work. It's actually about how do I find who I am and what I stand for. 
Uh, that's absolutely where I am on this. Voice is who you are. I mean, the Tibetans, we are going fully spiritual now that's for a fine. moment. <laughs> the Tibetans talk about mind, body, voice, not mind, mm. body, spirit. And I think that's massive because the voice is carried on air, isn't it? The voice is mm. exhaled air. So, you know, air is spirit in lots of different traditions. And so voice, yes, is spirit. If I listened to a tape of you 15 years ago, would your voice sound different? Oh, massively. So all the stuff, you know, people were saying to me about you no know, presence, my posture. I had a really, I still have a, a weak lower back, but my, my boobs were much more stuck out. Sorry, <laughs> listeners. And so we talked about boobs a lot on this podcast. <laughs> you were in a safe space. And so I was a chest breather. So if I kind of give you what I was like 15 years ago, I... I would have been much lighter and more breathy and a bit faster and, and um, it would all have been happening for me really quickly and so I would have, it, it, it got a bit spinny outy. Mm. I don't know if that's a phrase, which is why they were saying to me you need more presence but really what I needed to do was find a straighter spine, learn to breathe diaphragmatically, learn to live in my body, not whirl around in my brain the whole time and and that really was a journey of going into the body more than anything else because you can change your thinking but it doesn't really do anything whereas when you adjust your body and learn new habits the voice slots into place but also your presence does because mm. your system goes you're safe which is really important mm. and I didn't know how to make myself feel safe how okay not that I'm trying to speed it up but that's clearly not something that you could do overnight or in one session the sort of getting out of your head and into your body what was your journey to achieving that so first it's that piece of awareness of going, so there is a version of me that's really just a set of habits and that's not Caroline, that's just choices right now, which is very mm. much what actors talk about, choices, mm. which sounds a bit wifty-wafty, but what they mean is... The An set, actor <laughs> sounding wifty-wafty. <laughs> never, darling, never. <laughs> the habits you have, and, and once you understand that things are habits, when someone asks you to change, it's not personal. And you have to get over that bit first. I don't know, it's like if listeners do yoga or, you know, learn to play tennis or something, a coach will ask you to adjust. Mm. And once you get that, they're just asking you to shift a habit, then you can be open to that. And if mm. you keep doing that over a few weeks, then magically it becomes unconscious. And my belief is, I mean, it. it I've done lots of different things around this because I teach it, right? Mm. So I'm a nerd. But I think, you know, say someone is worried about their posture and their voice, 10 sessions with an Alexander teacher or going to do Pilates classes or learning yoga, that stuff, if you do it week in, week out, will change your voice and presence. You know, Andy Puddicombe's brilliant headspace. If, mm. you, if you do headspace every day, that will change your presence. If you chant, you know, chanting is another aspect of all of that work for five, 10 minutes every day, your voice will open up within weeks, if not days. So it's not a big deal. You can do it in five minutes a day. And you, you've also said before, if you do one thing for your voice every day, it's sing. Sing, yeah, it's so good for you. <laughs> Someone said we should create a Spotify play with, playlist, can't say that, with good songs on, you know, just a welly, <laughs> a bit of Adele or, I don't know, Barry White or something. It is good. Wow. It's, yeah, it opens up your voice. It makes you happy. It, uh, I do, I... I sing a little bit, a line every morning usually, just after I get up, and it tells me how I feel. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, you should do the voice masters. Yeah. Because it's like a measure of what's happening inside, isn't it? Because if it's thin and reedy, it's like well, you probably need to go out and get some fresh air and like take some deep, long falls of breath. 
But if I, <laughs> it sounds so stupid, but if I sing something that would ordinarily seem quite difficult on an, you know, a voice that's been asleep for eight hours and I can, and it sounds good and resonant and I think, oh, you're all right today. I've got this. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that silly? Yeah, no, it's, it's, I think more people should get that the voice tells you what's going on inside. It tells you about stuff that you may not notice consciously. Mm. So I think when I, I did ask the Facebook group for this podcast, my most excellent listeners, um, if they had any questions, and I think a lot of it comes down to confidence. How can I how can I stop saying um and uh? But I think essentially there was a tone with a lot of the people I asked, whether it was on Facebook or just people I've been chatting to this week, knowing that I was speaking to you, who are looking for a way to fake it with their voice so that they can make it. But I wonder, having this conversation you, with you, whether it's like, there's no point faking it. Oh, it's, it's such an interesting question, isn't it? Yeah, there, you can't really fake a voice. You, it's because we will read it, we'll understand. Mm. So, but, I mean, that's also a question about getting there fast, isn't it? Mm. And and the the big thing I believe is that you can get there fast fast enough when you understand how the voice works when you understand that it takes a little bit of discipline five minutes a day mm. but it doesn't have to take a long time to get a voice that you trust because the main thing to understand is that we all have a brilliant voice within it's already there mm. so it's really just a process of unlocking it just opening it up and that's way easier to do than people realize because I've heard you say before, you've had people stand in front of you or sit in front of you and say, oh, I've got a terrible voice. But, and you said, but you wouldn't say there's a terrible saxophone. No, exactly. Exactly. It's just an instrument. So if I stick my head forward and slightly drop my soft palate and tense my jaw and breathe into my upper chest, my voice will change really quickly. And that's what actors do, of course. Mm. You know, good actors just move their voices around. So if someone says, I've got a terrible voice, that's just a, maybe a bit of a judgment, a terrible set of habits. It's a set of <laughs> habits that's maybe not working for you. So change the habits. And, you know, even people who have serious um, injuries or, you know, issues with backs, you can work around that. The voice is really malleable because mm. it's the diaphragm, the lungs. It's, it's kind of inner, the inner world as much as the outer world. And it is that physical centering, isn't it? So if someone was coming to you for voice coaching... And they were thinking, oh, I'm probably going to read some Shakespeare or work through some prose or a poem. Um, is that what would happen or would it be more physical? In my mind, you're like Sister Mary Clarence and Sister Act. <laughs> I love it. Grabbing people under the ribs <laughs> and going, now sing. There is a little bit of that. Okay, great, great. You've made my day, genuinely. <laughs> I wish I could do it with the full, you know, <laughs> Sister Act energy. Yeah. But it's... Um, it depends is the answer because some people will come and you'll think actually maybe, you know, I can't put my hands on your ribs. But if people are open to feeling where stuff is happening in the body, then it's really helpful to get, to get there. Mm. I don't do Shakespeare much anymore. You know, going back 10, 15 years, if you work with actors, obviously it's a joy to do lots of Shakespeare. Mm. But I think people are good on... I, I'm all about people's own words because I think when people speak their own words, you get a whole different layer of voice then mm. you know then it gets really interesting which I think is why I don't work with actors anymore mm. is that where we one can experience a disconnect 
if one perhaps, again, uh, listeners getting in touch about things like stage fright or getting on stage, being halfway through what they're saying and just completely losing their train of thought, are those uh, sort of tied into the authenticity of what you're saying, right? Big time. And I think the thing that gets in people's way is that writing and reading are really different to speaking. Mm. And we go to school and I, you know, I'd left university. I arrived at drama school, loved Shakespeare. And I thought it was all about the written word because that's the only thing I'd been taught to do. And actually speech is live. It's about the body. It's not about being clever. And so what I say to people, people often try and write a speech. You know, think of best man or bride at a wedding. They write their speech and then they either read it or they learn it. Mm. And... That's terrifying to stand up and try and remember something word for word or to stand and read it. So what I say to people is if you're working on a speech, record it. Mm. Put it on voice notes, say it a few times, maybe bullet point it. By the time you've said it three times, you've learnt it. And, and I think just understanding that if you want to sound good as a speaker and feel confident, work on speech, not writing. Mm. But why does nobody teach us this at school? That's, that's why I wrote the book, because it... We should learn this when we're eight. Was there a moment or was it a, a combination and a culmination that made you write the book? Or was there a moment when you thought, actually, th this needs to just be put in one place? <laughs> I suppose it was after the TED Talk because I, I was coaching at Brixton TED because it's my, it's my hood, you know, mm. it's where I live. And so I said, do you want a voice coach? And they said, yes. And I did a couple of years coaching speakers. And then they said, do you want to pitch a talk? And I thought, well better put your money where your mouth is, Caroline. <laughs> and so I did pitch one on speaking with confidence. And A, that was pretty terrifying to do that as a speaker coach because you really don't want to mess that up. Mm. But B, what happened was that it went quite viral. Mm. And it's been watched about seven and a half million times since I did it. I checked this morning, it's well over seven and a half million. It's, it's crazy. Mm. And so what that said to me is this is something that people want. Mm. People are Googling or googling no you they're putting into youtube speak with confidence mm. and so i guess the book grew out of that awareness that it was something that people really wanted to know about and i'm so passionate about it that you know i can yap on about it for hours as mm. we're finding <laughs> yeah no please continue to yap so i think you've already talked about the digital age and i think there it made me think about the fact that at school i was never a particularly good writer like I've never been particularly good at writing a diary for example because I think I sound like a knob but I can but I can say it um but that doesn't get you your exam results being able to say it and then in this modern day and age we're all very good at writing in under a certain amount of characters on certain social media platforms and it has it does mean that you can be very strong at speaking briefly in captions but maybe when faced with having to then speak, you are unable to potentially articulate. Have you noticed that is a, a trend? There's something that's happening around all of these kind of short form comms, communications, and also our devices that people are... There's two things that I notice with speakers. People are speaking much faster mm. and sometimes they're speaking at surface level. Um. And so a lot of what I do with people is get them really centered into how they want to, sh how they are when they're at their most relaxed, how they are when they're hanging out with their friends, because mm. that's how I want them to be on stage. 
And then there's another part of it that's about, well, what do you believe is really important in what you're talking about? Mm. And sometimes I get them to talk about the five beliefs that really drive them around this. When you do that with someone, all of the kind of surface stuff that they've written for all the reasons that we kind of hover about like butterflies, mm. don't we, on surface level with content? Because that's what Instagram and our phones make us do. Mm. But if you say to someone what really matters to you about this, then they come through. And that's that's what's really interesting on stage is someone who's just really understanding their audience, but just really deep in what they believe to be important. Mm. Again, it comes, easy. Back to, it comes back to that knowing who you are, your voice, but also what you're saying, matching. It's when it, it's, it's that kind of, I mean, yoga talks about yoking, doesn't it? Mind, breath and body. And I think if you take that Tibetan idea of mind, body, voice, that you want to yoke that. So it's just mm. one seamless flow. And it's why I hate people talking about body language. You know, because okay. they do this with your hands. It's, they're not separate to the rest of you. They are part of the whole system. So I always want people just to show me what you do when you're chatting to your friends. Show me how you breathe. Show me how you speak. Mm. That's what we want. Because one of the things I've got in my notes is where do you, what do you think about the notion that 80% of all communication is nonverbal as a voice coach? I, I don't think you can separate any of it now. That's mm. so I for a long time I did talk about that, you know, that pie chart. Mm. And I did there is something true in that pie chart, which is why you can watch a foreign movie. Just remind listeners the so pie chart. Seven percent content, isn't mm. it? My maths was never very good. I said <laughs> that at the beginning. There's then the thirty percent is the voice, and then the remainder, maths geniuses, <laughs> is is body language. Right. And and that was about the communication of negative emotion, I think, wasn't it? That mm. study. And I do think that's true, that if someone says, oh, I'm not sure about this report, there's an aspect that is in the words, but most of it's in tone mm. and in what their face is doing and their body's doing. Right. But it's quite hard to separate it all out when you're mm. standing in front of people. So it's, I'd, I'd see it as one flow, really. Right. But would you say there are conversations best had in person than over the phone, for example? Definitely. And I am always saying to people, if it's, you know, if it's emotional, don't. It's not an email because you need mm. voice tone. Mm. And if it's really emotional, get in person, you know, get in front of them. Mm. Because the voice communicates a lot, but just being in a room with someone adds a, a different layer of presence and it's so easy to hide from that now isn't it mm, that's the thing but if you're hiding from having a conversation that might make you feel uncomfortable are you hiding internally from your own emotions exactly and 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 our tech you know you can whatsapp someone you can instant you can send them a facebook message it's 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 not really human it's you're missing the deep layer of human communication that makes stuff really interesting mm. so uh, you know i'm as it's I love a good insta message and an email because it's quick and it's effective mm. but really even I as an introvert know that you have to make time to be present for people mm. like with my kids I know that I have to switch my phone off at night because otherwise you're just flitting between messages and it's just it's not good for anybody no it isn't it is not um let's unpick a little bit the um panicking the stage fright the things that can go wrong which is probably what anyone who's tuning into this might be thinking I want help with. The umming and ahhing, et cetera, et cetera. 
and maybe your presentation just going completely wrong. Oh God, yes. Like <laughs> being halfway through, I've done it. I used to do, as listeners will know, I used to do QVC presentations and you'd be into a point and you'd be so worried about the third thing that you had to say that you'd get to the end of something and think, why did I start? And then usually you'd be, you'd be with a great presenter who'd see it in your eyes and fill in the gap for you, usually. But what does all of that mean? And does that mean you are forever to stay off the stage? Or does that mean you just need to learn a bit more and then you can ace it? So much the latter. So much you just need to learn a bit more. I honestly, if I had money for the time that someone had said to me, I'm, I'm not a good public speaker... I would be on a, an island in the Bahamas right now. <laughs> so many people have a horrible experience on stage because they look out at all those people and they get hit by this rush of fight or flight. And so mm. they they arm, like you say, or they stammer or they trip over the words or they say the wrong thing or they can't remember what they're going to say. And they go, I can't do this. And they say so they never do it again. And it gets worse. Mm. And it's just your body being hit by fight or flight and fight or flight says to your system run away punch them hide under the table or freeze so if (laughs) i'm laughing because the other thing is soil yourself (laughs) yes that would be very embarrassing (laughs) (laughs) sorry that's the extreme but it is but it is one of the reactions gosh yes so so yes if that happens yeah that that I don't even want to go there so let's not let's hope it doesn't get to that if it does get to fight or flight of freezing or rushing don't think you're a bad person don't think you're a bad public speaker you've just got to learn how to be up in front of an audience and feel relaxed what about that uh just imagine the crowd naked I've never I've just always disregarded that yeah it doesn't work does it it's far too distracting. <laughs> <laughs> and also it kind of, I think it's a power thing, isn't it? Because mm. imagining people naked kind of gives you a certain advantage because you've got clothes mm. on. But I don't want to be more powerful than my audience. I want to be on a level with them, which is why I love the George Clooney thing of talk to old friends. Elaborate. Please. So he would say, you know, when he's nervous about something, when he's meeting people he doesn't know, or when he's making a speech, he just imagines that he's talking to old friends. And you can picture his face doing that, can't you? Mm. And it's, I don't know if he knows that, but it's really good brain chemistry because when we're with friends, we're in the rest or digest part of the system. Mm. And then you have all the lovely hormones of connection and your breathing is easier and people seem relaxed and you're not jumping to defensiveness. So it's just a brilliant way into your best self. Mm. And so don't imagine them naked. Imagine your best mates, the people who really support you, not frenemies. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because that's not what we want. Not judgment. Acceptance. People who accept you. Yeah, you want you want to feel love coming from the room to sound like Darius Dinesh. Yes. <laughs> from pop stars. It's never too late to bring a bit of Darius into the conversation. <laughs> never. But it is. It's um I can see why that would work if you just feel that everyone's on your side. And they are, because really, I mean, there's probably some really political corporate presentations where maybe a few people aren't supporting you, but mm. mostly most audiences want this next twenty minutes of you talking to be useful Mm. so they have a vested interest in you doing it okay and that's really nice to remember and there are you can think of confident people or what a confident person looks like but that's a little bit jarring as well is it not sort of the label of being a confident person being confident doesn't mean you'll be a good 
public speaker. Sorry, let's come back to the public speaking thing. But um, being confident doesn't mean you'll be good at speaking in front of a crowd and not being confident doesn't mean you won't be good. No, and I, I increasingly think that confidence is just a set of good habits. Mm. So it's not a kind of an identity level thing. You know, I can be confident at public speaking now, but if you ask me to you know, play tennis with someone good, I would be pretty unconfident quite quickly because mm. I haven't played for years. So it's not a state of being, it's just a set of habits, confidence. The trouble is that most people don't practice public speaking. You know, it's only when work says, can you go and stand in front of those 400 people at a conference that you do it for the first time in three years? It's no wonder. You know, if I had to play tennis in front of 400 people for the first time in three years, I might feel a bit nervous. So you've just got to practice and confidence will follow you know, day follows night. And also the 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 fact that if it goes wrong, actually that is sometimes a place where you can grow or it gives you a moment to maybe exceed your own expectations. Mistakes aren't failures. Mistakes can be really glorious. I had a client who was speaking at a conference in Vegas and uh, just before she started to speak, they had to get some chairs off the stage and someone came up to help and fell off the stage in front of her. <laughs> so they had to call the paramedics. And so this thing that could have been really embarrassing, she said, it really made me realise that how I responded to that mistake was brilliant because mm. mm. the audience were with me from the off because they were watching something happen live. And so actors learn this. If something happens on stage, if the bottle of wine goes over with the Ribena in, mm. <laughs> just mop up the Ribena. It doesn't matter. It's how you deal with it. Mm. So confidence is a set of habits. Mistakes are all about how you deal with them. And perfection is really impossible to achieve. So don't even try. And if somebody comes to you or if someone's listening to this and they're thinking, I want to give a presentation and it's got to be perfect. If, what, do you, what do you do with the word perfect when perhaps somebody projects it onto you, whether it's in a session or in a desire to get to that place? I suppose I, I just have a belief that it's... There's always the presentation you plan to give. I mean, this is the old trope. The presentation you plan to give, the one you give and the one you wish you'd given. Mm. <laughs> so uh, it's great to be a bit of a perfectionist in preparation. You know, have a real vision of how it, what you want it to be. See, you know, make the slides really great. Wear something fabulous. You know, do the work, sure. But know that on the day, something else is going to happen. Mm. And that's Okay. Well, interestingly, that brings me back to another point about um, wear the clothes that make you feel fabulous or get the blow dry that makes you feel great. But actually, you've said, and now I can't find it in my scribble of notes, uh, something about that's actually not where confidence comes from. That's not that, that's not actually where it begins. It's funny because it does matter. Yes. So it's I, I suppose what I think about it is it's part of the preparation, mm. but... I mean, I'm all about getting the blow dry. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But you're in a safe space. Yeah. <laughs> Love a blow dry. But it's not the it's not the only thing you do. So mm. people think if I do my slides, if I have a perfect PowerPoint deck and if my hair is done, I'll be fine. And actually, there's a bit before that, which is about the inner, the body, the breath, your voice getting relaxed if you do that bit and have a blow dry, then you will rock. You will rock it. <laughs> are the blow dry and the, the power suit, are, they, are the cherry on top, really? Right? Yeah, exactly. But don't wear really high heels. That's, that's the, my only... I'm a bit of a uh, tough one on that. 
beautiful if you're standing if you're sitting it doesn't matter yeah. if you're standing and you have really high heels on you know the heels you would take off at a party because they're too sore to dance yeah, in yeah. those are not good shoes to speak in because they tip your pelvis off center which like i used to be tip your boobs forward for those listening <laughs> which takes your breath up into your chest and makes your voice a bit squeaky now that's fine if you want to be squeaky and off center mm. Personally, I don't. I like to feel grounded and relaxed on stage. So a, low, a lower heel. Hmm. Can we come off the stage for a second yeah. and talk about the use of voice in relationships, be Ooh. that uh, social relationships, romantic relationships, and how to use it mm. to get the best out of those as well? Oh, wow. Well, so I go with this to um, a whole theory about vagal tone, and the, the vagus nerve is a, the longest cranial nerve in the body. And it, it's, it connects to the gut, which is why when you get butterflies in your stomach, you think I'm nervous. It also connects to the voice. Now, when people have what's called low vagal tone, it's like a bad day. If you think of a bad day, you know, you've, it's the day when you go, ooh. Reedy and yes, thin. Yes. <laughs> so that's your system going. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Low vagal tone. And then we have a flat voice. We often react to people when they say things that are a bit on the edge of acceptable to us. And we communicate a kind of tension to the world. I mean, we've all had those days, right? Mm, So if we catch ourselves in one of those moments where it feels uncomfortable and jerky, we can very quickly blame other people for that. But actually, it's kind of taking ownership of the fact that, okay, so I'm, I'm sending out something into the world that isn't landing with people. And then there's loads of research on this. Just things like go off, take yourself off for a moment, just do a long out breath because that rebalances it 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 helps vagal tone or just go and sit quietly and come back to you know my feet are on the floor my bum is on the chair I'm breathing in I'm breathing out just recenter your system make yourself feel safe and then when we've got high vagal tone we communicate openness our voices are musical we make people feel good it's just that we're a nice person to hang, hang out with and that, that's where we want to be with our friends and family. But the thing to know is that our phones, this is kind of why I wrote the book now, our phones, we go into text next, we're peering forward at the phone, I'm modelling this now. We breathe into our chests. we sometimes hold our breath when we're checking our phones and all of that creates, guess what, low vagal tone. So there I am checking the news feed or checking Instagram and I see something I don't like and my daughter says, Mummy, and instantly I'll snap Mm. because I've gone from a low vagal tone staring at a phone to low vagal tone staring at my lovely daughter. And, And that's not a great place to be. And so I think all of us need to just take a little bit of ownership of the impact we're having on others and and start to notice when that impact because you see in someone's face her face will show tension Mm. if if you see that in someone's face or you hear it in their voice then just kind of change gear in yourself um is there a spectrum and bear with me on this um are some people's uh vagal tones more obvious to interpret so can some people seem lower and higher do you see what i mean oh interesting 
I would refer you to Stephen Porges, the uh, creator of the polyvagal theory on that one. I think we all, we all, we can read it. And I, and I think, I mean, there are people, I know there are people who make me feel good. Yeah. And I know there are people who make me feel tense. Mm. And I think as humans, we are brilliant at reading that because it's survival. I mean, it's, you know, before we had iPhones and, and, you know, cars and clever offices we were kind of measuring our levels of mm. safety and threat and so vagal tone comes from that world really so I think everybody's good at reading it I think some people are bad and I've been one of those people at being aware of it in themselves um, and noticing when we're not on our a game or when we're off center and I think the more for me that I start to tune into how am I doing how am I showing up Mm, okay that's why that happened the more we take ownership of it I think the more interesting things get that's really interesting because it's made me think about um when I was going through depression and I would turn up and see friends or go to a work event and ultimately when I walked in the room I really needed everybody to make me feel good because it wasn't coming from mm within me and I could feel that I was annoying <laughs> slash a burden slash perhaps like making people feel like they wanted to get away from me you know when you're just yeah. that, that annoying you're the dickhead and maybe and and maybe it's that very subtle undercurrent of a lack of safety that we pick up it's but it's sad isn't it and mm. really in that moment what you need is just someone to go you're all right and give you a big hug because yeah, yeah, yeah. a hug is brilliant for vagal tone and it's but I, it's interesting that I mean we've all been there that mm. we can we can sense that we're pushing people away so then I guess how do you give yourself a hug in that yeah. moment how do you, what's the thing that's going to give you the virtual hug and what people do is they self-soothe with a phone and that's not a great way to go because you're not breathing can you self-soothe with your diaphragm? Yeah. So if you if we just sit back, I'm all for putting I hands can't on believe tummies. it's taken us this long to yeah. get here. Let's talk to our <laughs> diaphragms, Caroline. So the most useful um metaphor for the diaphragm that I've come across is this really cool yoga teacher called Jean Hall talks about it um like a jellyfish. Which is quite mad, but also brilliant. The diaphragm if you are wearing a bra, just take your thumb and put it below your bra strap because that's easy. And if you're not wearing a bra, then just imagine you are. And it's the bra strap around your chest. Yes, the, the lower bra strap. The bra strap that just is below your boobs. And if you stick your thumb in just below that point, you can feel that there's a kind of... It's very squidgy on me after two kids. You've got a squidgy bit. And beneath the kind of multiple layers of fat that on me... Subcutaneous layers. Subcutaneous layers, layers, which are very good in winter. You will find that there's a kind of... (laughs) You get a sense of a kind of a connection to something beneath that. That's Mm. a front point of attachment for the diaphragm. Now, it, it cuts you in half. It attaches all the way across the torso. And if you put your hands on your back ribs... It's also attaching underneath that point as well. Mm. And so if you think of it like a jellyfish that's sitting there in your body, bra strap level, when you, we always say with, when you train actors, breathe out first. So first of all, just breathe out. And like you're blowing out birthday candles, that's lovely. I've got so many. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, they get, you, get, they get more as you get. <laughs> it's the benefit of uh, growing a little older. So you breathe out and then you just wait for the breath in and that jellyfish diaphragm moves down your body as you breathe in. And then as you breathe out, it slowly flows back up again. 
you just let you breathe out it goes up and then you breathe in and it comes down and the more you can feel that sense of that jellyfish of your diaphragm moving down as you breathe in and moving up as you breathe out flowing up and down your body you can self-soothe anywhere mm. you know and you don't need to check your phone mm. see how many likes you've got on something because that's fake self-soothing mm. just find that jellyfish breathing that, that's a dopamine hit uh, it's a little bit like yogic breathing. I remember the first time I ever had any kind of yoga session, one-on-one, -on -one, and they talked about yogic breathing and how babies, if you watch their, you watch their stomachs go up and down, not their chest. And so now, and I could just hear, I just did a proper chest <laughs> high breath. But it is that thing of, if ever I do feel, ooh, I'm feeling a little bit tightly wound, that's when I will sit and regardless of what it looks like, just really do belly breaths. Exactly. And I mean, it's also the rib breath. So yoga talks a bit about this, you know, when you do all the forward bendy stuff. Mm. But also you can feel that jellyfish if you put your hands on your back ribs. It's a bit weird to do for a long time, but you can just feel that as you breathe out, your ribs close together. And then as you breathe in, the jellyfish moves down and the ribs swing open. Mm. And that's just as important. Pilates talks a lot about this. It's, it's really important to find the rib swing as well as the belly movement. And I've heard lots of that, you know, chest breathing is quite good too. So I'm not, I'm not anti-chest breathing per se. It's just that I spent my life with my shoulders around my ears, mm. gasping the breath into the chest. And when you do that in front of an audience, your body goes, you're in trouble, run away. When you figured it out for yourself, did your relationships and friendships change? Ooh. Would you say that the people closest to you, if I asked them, would say, yes, there was a change? Someone said to me, God, about 10 years ago, you're much calmer. So I think probably they did. I then got my husband into Alexander te Technique as well, so we probably both relaxed. <laughs> and Alexander Technique is the correcting of faulty postural habits and postures hugely important isn't it it's brilliant i mean I, I do really recommend alexander technique if you want to a kind of efficient way into finding this calm and this voice it's a really good thing to do one-to-one -one with someone for a few sessions it's kind of there's a nobel prize speech about it because it is that life-changing and i don't know why it's not more widely known the only person i've ever known who's talked about it is my brother and he he knows about Quite a lot. He's very well read. And so it's a bit irritating that actually one <laughs> source of information I've got about this. Bro, you were right. Yeah, I should, no, I should, I should let it that out. Um, I, shall, I will have to uh, do a bit more exploration um, because all of our postures, I mean, you talked about tech neck as well. Everything is sort of working against our voice. And I know we've just done uh, the diaphragm touching and the rib swing and everything like that. But actually... Whenever I've had that conversation about the physical in and out of breath, it stopped at breath. Yes. But it's the addition of voice. That's it. And this is what I don't understand why at school people don't sit us down or stand us up maybe and go, this is how your voice works. This is how you breathe if you want to feel confident. When you get nervous in front of an audience, do that breath again. And if you want a powerful voice, just use that breath with a bit more mm. welly. You know, use your stomach muscles more. Why aren't we taught this when we're eight? Maybe we used to be. Maybe all that singing and choirs and hymns and mm. that we used to do, maybe that, it doesn't have to be hymns, it could be any song. Maybe that helped. Maybe we've lost something. 
Well, speaking of singing, I am a big fan of watching um, vocal coach reactions to <laughs> performers on YouTube. Do you? Do you? Oh, yes. Yes. Tristan's just fans. Um, and actually, I was watching one of his, and I'll put the link to him in the show notes because he's really sweet. If you know the guy I'm talking about. He, um, he did quite a long video about Lady Gaga watching her right from the early days of like before she was Lady Gaga to now. And what I found really interesting about that is he said, oh, she's she's singing differently. It's more like a musical now. She's changed her tone. Her mouth is opening differently. It's the same song, but watch how she's opening her mouth. Ooh, yeah, fascinating. Yeah, you yeah. see, you're like, yeah. give me the link. <laughs> I want to see that. <laughs> but, but it was the first thing, and then when I read your book, it compounded the idea of actually you can manipulate your voice and not just temporarily permanently yeah you can sound it's such it's an instrument you can sound engineer it and mm. and it, it's kind of set up the good habits you know whether it's opening your mouth more she'll have worked with a coach mm. over weeks months to to find that sound and then when she goes on stage she won't think about it mm. it'll just happen like Roger Federer you know trains for months goes out plays the game mm. and so it's just if you want to change your voice you just set up different habits and you know go see a good vocal coach one-to-one -one and they will help you so efficiently so quickly mm. to do it and again it's not just about going so you can do a presentation it, there's more that you'll get out of it oh god I mean is there anything in life that isn't improved by by voice by speech you know in in maybe a mime career it wouldn't help <laughs> Or ballet. But for most of us, speaking's really important, right? So yes, why wouldn't you learn to use this instrument that is really it's what being human's all about to me, the voice. So I don't understand why we don't learn about it. Who are your favourite people to listen to? Oh gosh. It's really cheesy, but I did like Obama and I yeah. feel a bit sad saying that. I know. That was my one I wanted you to Amazing say. Amazing Grace, that speech where he sings. Because, okay, what is it about him? Is it is it a little bit like that speech in Collateral with um, Tom Cruise where he talks about jazz and he says it's what's between the notes? Yeah. With Obama, it felt like um, it was the pauses the and almost the way it was at times disjointed that made you just come a little bit closer. Yeah, he he... He combined this kind of real mastery of his brief with just this kind of presence and physical ease. And someone said he worked really hard in the first election campaign. I think he was playing basketball, or he, but he was doing some physical discipline. Mm. So he was just really in his body. Mm. And so when someone like that shows up on stage, you just get them because they're not working at it. I mean, God, don't get me wrong. He worked on it beforehand. Mm. But when they're on stage, they're just there. They're present. And that's... So lovely. And he, he looks, he seems relaxed, which is just so nice to listen to because we all need to feel a bit more relaxed right now, don't we? Mm. And Donald Trump, bless him, he's doing the opposite. He's making people feel tense. And that's a different, you know, that's a different, that's a different game. But, I mean, okay, uh, Barack Obama, I'm guessing, uh, rehearsed, and you talk about rehearsal quite a lot and how that is a crucial thing and I guess with your acting was it rehearse 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 yeah I mean that's a dis if I so I, I've got my blooming book launch coming soon and I'm going to make a speech about speaking with confidence what I learned from acting so that day is clear it's clear mm. I, I'll I'll go to yoga that day 
I've already started to think about what I'm going to wear. I've booked the hair appointment. And I know that on Monday I've got to get a train, sadly, to a funeral. And I will sit on the train and work on the speech that day. So there's a kind of acting taught me that there has to be a timeline. There's a timeline to get you to success. Mm. And it's funny that the place I go to yoga, there's a, a, an A-list actor who's in a play in the West End at the moment. I won't name him because it would be unfair. But I was in yoga, a yoga class every day last week and he was there every day before he cycled off to go to the show. And that's what actors learn, that if you want to show up with presence on stage... It's what you do in the days, hours before that matters because then when you show up on stage, it'll be there mm. and you can let it go and you can just play. That's why they're called players, you know. Mm. And so, I mean, I was telling you before we started recording, I've done live TV and a, a couple of my other friends, Nadine Baggett, who's been on this show, is brilliant at live TV and presentations. And we both come from the school of, and I told you this, and I think I may have... Uh, <laughs> Fallen down a touch in your estimation. No, but, <laughs> but our but my, our thing, and we've talked about why we're similar in this way, is that it will be don't eat coffee. Uh, shoot for her, it's Pepsi Max, and just just go on as a ball of adrenaline, and it falls into place, and then sort of come come off air and absolutely hit a complete spiral and sleep for a bit and just be completely exhausted. And when I was reading your book and then I was listening to you on the TED Talk, I thought actually, have I been hindering myself? Because if I listen to what you say, and this isn't about being the pursuit of perfection, because we've talked about that, there is no perfect and mistakes are perfectly valid and a way you learn. Um, if you are in a state like that, it's all very visceral and in the moment and quick. But actually, if you rehearse, if you're a bit slower, it can be almost more efficient. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of, I don't know what I think about that in a way, because partly for live TV, there's certain kind of TV where actually you want that energy. Mm. So maybe for that context, that's the right thing to do. I mean, I think it's normal not to want to eat because I think, mm. you know, the, the nerves just make us not want to fill our stomachs for good mm. reason. The coffee. That's disgusting. Yeah. Yes. Oh, God. <laughs> Don't go back there. Sorry. We'll Sorry. put people off forever. <laughs> but the coffee, I think I've learned that this second cup of coffee is a bad idea. One, maybe. Mm. But to your point about is there another level, I think probably if you were doing the TED Talk, which I bet you will be, you know, if you have a conference speech, if there's something where you really want to be present to the audience for, then yes, that kind of actor's idea of be quiet, get ready, get centred, don't have too much coffee, you might find a different presence to it. Mm. But I'm not ruling out the, you know, explode onto the screen because that's also, it's another way of being, right? And for some telly, it's good. Yeah. So I, I'm not prescriptive, but I think trust your gut and you'll know. Try the other way and see what happens. Well, I'm... I think I probably came to that conclusion because I know that when I watch myself back, which is a vital part of anything or listen to myself back, it, it was hard in the early days of the podcast, but it's something I try to do a lot now because it's where you find the room for improvement. Oh, yeah. It's where you find the truth because we're never able to be fully aware of what's happening in the moment. So, yeah, when you watch mm -hmm. it back or listen back and do record it, that's when you'll know, was that the right level of energy? Mm. 
And I, I mean, I was the person who was on the coffee and just really hyper mm. for years. And I find it easy to my listen to listen to myself now that I, most of the time, you know, I have my off days, but most of the time I'm on centre a bit more than I used to be. Mm. And what about the the notion or the idea that you get up there, or even if I'm nervous in front of speaking in somebody, if I'm on the podcast and I think, oh, I really want to make this point, but I don't want to take up their time because they're the guest and I rush. And this was something that came up in the Facebook group, the talking too quickly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And obviously the way you slow down your speech is with your breath. Yes. Yes. So, oh, this again, this is such a really normal question. And it's just that fight or flight hit mm. that makes you go run away. So you speed up. And what I would say to people is that every full stop is a moment to come back to my feet are on the floor. The air is on my face. I can take a relaxed breath in. And so you can really put the brakes on between each idea. This came from, we were talking about Ewan McGregor earlier mm. on, and years ago I interviewed A-list actors, and he said, they all said they were nervous about speaking, which made me feel so much better. But he said, I used to be like a runaway train. It's such a great metaphor. And I would just get going and then be running off down the hill and finish before I knew. And he said, I realised all I had to do was stop at each station. Such a great metaphor, isn't it? For somebody who was in train spotting. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I hadn't made that connection. <laughs> so he just, he said, you just put a pause in, take a moment. It's what we do when we're chatting to our mates. And that's when people sound like the kind of conversational TED talker because they're just very easy with the pace. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to speak really slowly because they'll go to sleep. You can speak fast, but just put a full stop in. And it gives you control on every line other than you and were there any other actors who my listeners might know who said something that really made you think oh when you were doing that series oh yeah I mean they were all they were all really interesting um so I'm um, Helen Mirren was really good on posture and she said she years ago she played DCI Tennyson, didn't she, in Prime Suspect, I think it was. I mean, we're going back a long way, listeners. I'm dating myself here. But she said that she was taught by a copper that you, if you want to play power, if you want to have power, you have to really sit up, relax your shoulders, and just let your... Don't, don't be too conscious about your arms. Just let your arms be, really hang. Because when you let your shoulders relax your gesture just looks after itself. Mm. And and it's stuff like that. They're really, it, in some ways, it's really simple that I have remembered to this day. But they were all nervous. I mean, you know, the, they were all paranoid. They were all worried. They all said that they would go into auditions and, you know, be incredibly nervous about getting it wrong or worried that someone else would get the job. And I think it just made me realise that nobody's immune to it. I mean, maybe narcissists and psychopaths don't have problems with that, but I think they're the only ones, which makes us all feel maybe a bit better about it, you mm. know? And also, I mean, if you don't get the role, maybe it wasn't for you. I don't know. I'm trying to think in that way a bit more as I get older. I think that's right, isn't it? It's that, you know, what's meant for you won't go by you. I mm. think, I do think, and that just allows us to relax and breathe. And I think it's anything that allows you to relax and breathe is mm. going to help you. Um, in life and also you talked about and it was a brilliant one because it just made it all really slot into place for me you talk you talked about when people pay, play kings on stage oh yes and 
uh, how you'll know which one is playing the king, not because of the crown, but because they're the one who is still. Yes, it was a lovely movement director called Liz Rankin who talked about mm. that. And she just said they were rehearsing, oh, I can't remember which Shakespeare play, but she said, I, I'm working with the actors. The king is the still person on stage and all the other actors move around. And I think in a world where we're all, you know, moving so quickly, sometimes there's a real power in being the still person. We all know that person. Mm. We all know the impact they have. And it's when they're centred, not frozen. Well, uh, again, probably won't name this A-list actor, but an A-list actor once told me, quite a um, philanderer, nearly said philanthropist, not true. <laughs> said, um, a very different thing. <laughs> yes. Um, talked about uh, going to nightclubs in his early years of being a young fine actor and he just said I just used to stand there when I let them come to me <laughs> that's it I mean it's the same it's a kind of modern version of the king isn't it mm. or queen but I think there has to be another part to that because I'm going to go out on a limb here and say if I went to a club tonight and I stood there by myself and let them come to me I think I'd end up alone all night but so there's another factor I doubt in it. it I doubt it I mean it's, but it's like what we were saying about coffee versus, you know, get centred. It's like mm. it, it's all about having an ability to flex depending on what's mm. needed and to have the capacity to be still is brilliant as long as you have the capacity to be, you know, moving and energised as well. And it's it's all just a set of choices. But life, modern life is us rushing around so much that we lose sometimes that capacity to be still. I definitely had lost it. Did you? How did you know that you'd lost it when you understood there was a way back to it? Or oh, so so I was running workshops at Central this drama school, and and there was a very expert actor who was teaching with me, and she said it costs you a lot of effort, doesn't it? And basically, what she was saying is, you know, the actor understands this. You're expending too much effort on this because I was up here, I was so fast, and it was just quite adrenal and. Sometimes people call out stuff or you might watch yourself on camera and go, oh, that was a bit, you know, rushed. And then it's just catching it and understanding that that's not you. That's just you in a certain state and you can change that really quickly. I think I've noticed with me, and I wonder if listeners will relate to this, in sometimes when I'm speaking, what I want back is something immediate. Not necessarily in podcast conversations, but in, say, if I'm in a working environment and I've said right I think we should do this I forget that whenever you say anything it's like sowing seeds for harvest and some will sprout straight away and some might sprout in a couple of months but my energy is now 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 sometimes and I know that's something I need to work on which is why I'm definitely getting those details for that <laughs> masters oh it's really good uh, yeah it's funny isn't it and I, I'm similar in that I like moving quick 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 mm. Actors talk about metabolism, that different people have different metabolisms. And I think there's something about sometimes when we are present, and again, I have good days and bad days on this, when we're able to tune in to how someone else is showing up, it may be that their metabolism is just a bit slower, that they're listening in a different way, that they've got other stuff on. And the more we can be empathetic to that, mm. I think the more patience I then have. And you know when to push it or when to let go. Mm. But it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's back to all the science of centering because we we don't have access to that empathy in the limbic system when we're just in fight or flight reptilian brain and we can't think clearly because we've we've lost the frontal cortex so the more we switch off phones the more we center the breath 
the more likely it is that we'll understand where they're coming from mm -hmm. and what we need to do to help them see our perspective. It's really lovely. It really is. And I keep thinking back to a conversation I had with Sarah Wilson on this podcast about anxiety as a superpower. Oh, that's a lovely mm. frame. You can reframe it. Yeah. So actually you've got a real heightened sense of awareness about a lot of things. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And I feel like the voices, and we just maybe perhaps take it so for granted that we don't realise how powerful it can be. We often hear about, think about what you say, you know, your words, you know, sticks and stones that break my bones, etc. But um, the voice, not just what you say. Oh, it's it's life. I mean, it's there's a really beautiful quote which is in the book by Al Alvarez, who died recently, and he says, "Voice is the expression of your aliveness," and that's it for me. And I just think we should value it a bit more and understand it a bit more. It, it really is. It's everything, and it's just we let it be forgotten somehow, and that's really sad. And if it is high, and if it is meaning uh, uh, strained, and if it is a bit tight, shrill, whatever that's going to be interpreted by someone else. Yes, and and it's something that you can easily, if, if you notice that happening, it's something that you can change. Mm. And that's the thing I really would love people to understand more, that it's just you have so much choice about how you show up mm. for others. So this is really, you know, the, the more we can choose how we show up to make others feel centered and relaxed that's what it's all about so it's a, we live in a culture that's a lot about you know me and my brand and blah 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 and actually voice is a tool to help others feel something powerful and that when when we get that our ability to make others feel comfortable and centered and calm I think then it gets really interesting um if someone's listening to this and they're thinking right okay well how am I going to show up tomorrow like, can I, is there a way I can experiment with this and maybe walk into my office and say hello in a different way? And this might be a bit too prescriptive and a bit twee, but it's not just the word, it's not the word I used to say hello or good morning. Is there a different way I can show up tomorrow just to test this? Do you know what I think on this? I think your, your tip <laughs> about get out of bed and sing, <laughs> just... Tomorrow morning, if you're listening, get out of bed, <laughs> borrow from Emma's tip and sing first thing. Just put the radio on, but you know, put your, put your music on, find a song you really love, enjoy singing, notice that your voice is deep in your tummy and your chest, not stuck in your throat. Mm. And then take that feeling of your voice being in your body, not your throat into work and see what happens there's there's loads of data on the voice in the body and dating actually a low centered voice makes it more likely that people will say you're a potential date so this stuff is not just for the office people <laughs> wait hang on a minute so a low centered voice doesn't mean a low voice uh, a voice so yes it's not like you have to be margaret thatcher because that probably wouldn't work, probably on, work on the, in the dating scene <laughs> Um, but if the ladies, <laughs> no, no, sorry, <laughs> sorry, listeners, I'm so sorry. It's a, it's, that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. I'm Offline sure, with tequila, it's fine. I'm sure there is an audience. Um, but if you, yeah, if you, it's more about getting the voice starting from low down, and you know that that place where we found our diaphragms mm. beneath the bra strap. You can tap there. Can mm. we do a quick tap and just go? Uh, <laughs> you know, if you sing from there, if you warm your voice up from there. Yeah, you're more likely to A, get elected as a US president, <laughs> could be a good thing to know, and also to be picked as a potential date in a speed dating piece of research. There, there was something about um, trust in voices, there was something about 
power, particularly in male voices, but also in female voices. Mm. And there was something about warmth. And voices that had those three things, which is all the centred stuff we've been talking mm. about, were more likely to be picked in a speed dating piece of research. That's fascinating. I think it's in the back of the book, that research, actually. I can't, off the top of my head, I can't cite the study. <laughs> um, it's interesting. I listen to a lot of podcasts and um, I will get a real impression about somebody and I won't know what they look like. And I'll just, you know, podcasts I subscribe to, I'm walking along, one finishes, another begins. And I hear this conversation and I was listening to a podcast last week and then I Googled the guy and was just that was not what I was expecting I was expecting someone who looked a bit like Howard Stern and he was like a white-haired professor and I thought that was fascinating that's lovely isn't it and yeah yeah, I mean a voice a voice can make us visualize all sorts of things and sometimes you know our imagination goes off somewhere else voices are so powerful Mm. voices are human there's so there's honestly as I said I think when I looked at the front of the book find your voice I think you could think you're going in one direction. And it's been a really lovely discovery to sort of peel away the layers of voice, so to speak, like an onion and understand there's so much more to it, how spiritual it can be, how centering it can be, how it has so many parallels with things like meditation and yoga, the sort of mind, body, breath, voice connection. So thank you so much for coming on the show and explaining it in more detail. Thank you. It's been a pleasure chatting. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Caroline and I. If you would like to get in touch with me, please do email me at thebeautypodcast at gmail.com. Or if you fancy something a little less formal, you can always slide into my DMs on social media where I'm at Emma Guns. That's on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to chat to me and thousands of other listeners to this podcast, then please do join the Facebook group. The link to join is in the show notes, which can be found wherever it is that you are streaming and downloading this episode or over on emmaguns.com. Thank you so much for listening. I will see you on the next one.